Hi, welcome back to Litcentric Radio, the podcast that truly is a literacy coach in your pocket. I'm your host, Julie Webb. All right, brace yourselves. I've got a soapbox moment here. This is what I tell my uh, participants who are in my workshops and my trainings and my coaching sessions that I do live all the time. Um, every once in a while, I fall into one of my soapbox moments where I'm going to grandstand for a minute and tell you something that is either bugging me or something, you know, that I think we need to fix. Have you taken a good look at the teaching resources that are available online? I mean, a good hard look. I mean, it's the wild west out there. I'm seeing everything from really low level stuff that's just, you know, fill in the blank worksheets kind of dripping with rainbows and unicorns and butterflies, kind of masking how inadequate the resource probably is. And then, you know, a minute later, I turn around and I'm hit with a brilliant new take on, you know, a new idea or resource or kind of a a deeper look at a learning strategy. And I'm so excited when I stumble upon those, but there's just no rhyme or reason to it. It, Like I said, it's the wild west out there. You just don't know what you're, what you're going to find. And it seems like more and more we're being saturated and inundated with just more stuff and more stuff doesn't mean all of it's good and more stuff doesn't make you a better teacher, right? And I'm, I'm actually getting a little bit concerned about this. So I sat down and I developed a free resource for you that I think can help you separate the good, the bad, and the ugly that is the online learning space right now. Um, I called it Lidcentric's Resource Criteria. And you can get a copy of this. It's a quick one-page download. If you go to litcentric.com in the shop tab, um, that'll take you through to the store and you click on the freebies and you can find it in there. And it's just a really quick, it's not, it's kind of like a little checklist. There's just a few questions that you can just ask yourself as you're considering, um, especially when you're considering buying something, for goodness sakes, your hard-earned money should be spent on something you feel really excited about and confident that it's going to make you a better teacher, not just help you get a job done in your class, but actually make you a better teacher. That's what we need to be spending our money on if we're going online. And besides that, the questions on there can just help you think through even, do I want to download this freebie? You know, I mean, is it really even worth the time of downloading it and printing it or sharing it or whatever, you know, whatever you need to do with it online? So the questions on there, I've, I've categorized them into three, three small categories because I actually had some of my teacher friends who I know and trust to look at these criteria for me. And I had so many to begin with because I just think there's so much to think about. And they said, Julie, these are great. It's too much. You need to narrow it down. So I said, okay, I'll do that. And so I condensed it as small as I could into just three categories. And the categories are, is this resource, is it researched? Is it rigorous? And is it reliable? And so that gets us thinking about, you know, does the resource, if it's research, does it actually encourage sound instructional practice? Because if it's just, you know, a printable little worksheet that your kids are filling out in two minutes, that's not sound instructional practice. So I can definitely check that off and say, yeah, this does not meet this criteria. Or another example from, is this rigorous? Well, um, does it actually, you know, advance your student's literacy development? Um, That's a big difference from resources that just keep them busy in a center. Right. I mean, we really want to each activity they engage in, whether it's something small or something big, whether it's an independent one or whether it's, you know, teacher guided. We want those activities to advance our students literacy learning each and every time they engage with them. So 
We need resources that are going to help us do that. We don't need to spend our money on things that don't, right? And the last category, reliability, you know, is this resource reliable? Like, who is the author of this resource? How have they established their credibility? You know, saying, well, I've taught 20 years. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. I have taught 20 years. That doesn't mean, you know, I'm an expert in this particular thing. So who is this author? And are they, you know, putting out resources that are sensitive and are inclusive to our children? Um, you know, are they culturally sensitive? Um, do they actually respect copyright laws and intellectual property laws? Are they stealing from authors and calling things their own or taking from their, you know, their state adopted curriculum and creating resources using that language. That's illegal, guys. We can't do that kind of stuff. So I want you to think about if you're noticing those things online, I would steer clear of those resources. You don't want to be attached to things that, that really are not going to advance you and advance your children. And you definitely don't want to be attached to something, you know, that's, you know, doing something wrong, right? All right. So go to litcentric.com, the shop tab, locate the freebie section, Litcentric's resource criteria is in there. Download it. Like I said, it's just a quick one pager. Share it with your teacher friends and add more questions to it. Like I said, I've only got those three categories and a few questions in each category just to make you think about those resources. There are plenty of other questions you could be asking yourself that might be really useful to you and your teaching team. So please add those questions. And I would love to hear about them on social media. You can email me. You can find Litcentric on Facebook, Instagram, um, I'm Twitter. I'm kind of, you know, everywhere you can think of. And I would love to hear the other questions that you ask yourself before you make, before you download or before you actually make a purchase. All right. Soapbox moment over. <laughs> Thank you for um, indulging me in my rant. So Today's episode 18, we're going to take a look at a wonderful book called The Night I Followed the Dog by Nina Layden. And I love this book, first of all, because kids love it. I mean, you know, we got to have engaging, compelling books to read. But what kids love about this is the what if aspect of this book. And that's one of the things I like to explore most with it. So they can actually use their imaginations when they're listening to this book, when they're writing and being inspired by this book just to dream up some possibilities that just come from kind of everyday mundane experiences. And I that's kind of what I like to use the book for. I like to play on kids' kind of playfulness and their creativity. And I like to introduce them in this case to the concept of a brief write. Now, if you haven't heard of a brief write before, there could be different definitions of it. But in this case, when I think of a brief write, I'm thinking of a written response that addresses only a portion of what a full written piece would do. So let's say my students and I are working on a report about oh, jellyfish, okay? And um, whether we're doing it together or they're working on their own, maybe all I'm working with them on right now is just the introductory paragraph. So we're not gonna worry about writing the whole, the whole report right now. We're just working on that brief write and I'm just focusing their attention and my mini lessons and their writing task just in that particular area because I really wanna get that area strong for them. Or maybe we're working on the conclusion, right? Or maybe they're writing personal narratives and we're only working on um, the climax moment. Um, or maybe we're only working on, you know, the kind of the rising action that leads up to that and really working on the dialogue within that. So we're just taking a slice of a full write and um, just working on one portion of it. And that's our brief write. And this is a wonderful thing to do with kids because not only um, 
are they asked to do this on a lot of our uh, our current assessments, at least here in the United States? Like, for example, I know a lot about the Smarter Balance Assessment, and kids are asked to do brief rights on the Smarter Balance Assessment. And if they've never done that with you in class, they may not really even understand how to approach something like that. So there, I mean, that's a good reason to itself to even practice it. But what I really love about brief rights is I can go really deep and focus my kids and get them um, not only excited to try something on the smaller side, it doesn't feel so overwhelming for them, but because we can go, or because it's so small, we can go deeper and they can take risks and just be playful with this one little area without that overwhelming sense of, oh my gosh, I've got to tackle an entire essay or I've got to write an entire report. For a lot of our kids, they just shut down or they just go through the motions and just crank out whatever because the idea of doing something big like that is so daunting. So a brief write just kind of moves all those objections aside and just focuses kids on one area. And it's very doable and it's really teachable too. So we're gonna take a look at that today. Could you please take a quick moment today and tell a teacher friend about Litcentric Radio? Maybe, you know, when you're having lunch in the staff room or you're on yard duty together, or you're gathering up with your team for your PLC meeting after school, can you tell them what you like about the show and why you listen? Send them a text or an email, give them the link to litcentric.com so they can check it out for themselves. I appreciate your support so much. Thank you for listening. Let's take a look at today's text, The Night I Followed the Dog. I have a dog. Nothing exotic or special, just an ordinary dog. In fact, I always thought he was a boring dog. What I mean is, he can fetch, roll over, and shake hands, but mostly he sleeps and eats. I used to think that our next door neighbors had the best dog in the world. Their dog can sing and change the channels on the TV. Their dog always wins medals in obedience school. But I don't think their dog is so great now. Not since the night I followed my dog. So as you can probably tell, that kind of what if idea of what if, you know, you saw your dog in a tuxedo or what if you followed him at nighttime, where would he go and what would he do? Kids love it. But what I love about this book, the text is really offers really strong descriptions. And so the actual, um, you know, illustrations they really just complement the text. They don't have necessarily as much weight as they do in some other books. So that's something I, I find really refreshing about this text. And another really cool thing about it that I didn't mention earlier is that uh, when you look at the text, um, it has a certain presentation style. It's almost written kind of like a rebus. So um, like when the word says uh, roll over, it's actually, the word is actually rolled over, it's upside down, you know, or if it says, you know, oh, I, I stopped at all the red lights, there's a little picture of a, um, a stoplight and the part that says red is the part that you read. So um, it's actually a really fun way to explore the text a little bit and the kids find it engaging too. So our bridge chart today, like I said, we're focusing on a brief write. And in this case, the brief write that we're gonna do is um, the middle part of the story. So what I'm asking kids to do, I'm giving them a very basic lead and a very basic conclusion um, to a narrative because I want them to write their own creative narrative about what happens if they decided to follow their dog one night. Okay. Now you can change this to other animals or anything like that, um, which we will actually suggest in our 
um, in our bridge chart because some kids don't want to write about a dog. They want to write about something else, but you can definitely keep it to a dog kind of thing if you want to. Um, but in this case, um, if you log on to letcentric.com in the shop tab and um, go to the store where I have Letcentric radio lessons, um, if you purchase it in that growing bundle, you'll get this lesson and um, not only the bridge chart, but the text pendant questions I use for the reading that I do. And um, you'll also get the writing task for students, which we'll describe here. And I even give you some of the writing paper that can be helpful to use because, like I said, we're giving them the lead and conclusion. So sometimes, especially the younger the kids, I'll just put the lead and conclusion. I'll type it out and just give it to them on the page. So they literally don't worry about that and they just focus in on the center part. So our lead is going to be something like, one night I decided to follow my dog or cat or whatever animal. Okay. And um, the conclusion is going to be, I will never forget that amazing night that I followed my dog. Okay, so something really basic like that, because remember, the focus here is on building kind of the what if creative side of the story. So our bridge chart is going to be divided into three, um, three sections. We've got uh, the top. Um, we're going to label the top with who, where and what. So pretty simple. So in the who section, this is where I ask students to help me think about what type of animal might they want to follow. And I don't restrict it to basic pets. They can pick kind of any animal they want uh, because the idea is to help them be as creative as possible. So some of my students will say, oh, they want to follow an octopus or an eagle or a gorilla or an ostrich or, you know, animals like that. And they'll also say dog and they'll say cat. And that's perfectly fine. I'll list as many animals that I have room for. And I always tell kids if the animal you want isn't up here, it's fine. Just pick whatever animal you want. But this is just gets our juices kind of flowing. So once we have listed those animals, in the where column, I want to list different locations where we might end up following that animal. Um, and so in, in this case, it was like a nightclub, which, you know, I would never expect my students to come up with on their own, but it is fun. In this case, we talk about maybe they'll go to the library or they'll go to the park or the mall, or sometimes kids will say, oh, they're going to go to the fair, you know, depending on the time of year, uh, or they're going to go to the movies. Uh, or they'll say something like Target, you know, some specific place. Doesn't matter to me anywhere that it's kind of more like a public place. If you say like, oh, the dog's going to go to my grandma's house, it's not as an engaging um, of a story for the audience because they don't really have a context for the grandma's house. They haven't experienced that. So it's better to pick kind of public places that most of us have been to before. It just makes for a little better story. So that's the where column. We'll list those things. And then we'll move on to the what column. So we, we've talked about the animal, where they're going to go. And then I want kids to describe what is the animal going to do when they get there. So in this case, we're going to link the where column to the what column. So here we have, uh, you know, an animal goes to the library. We follow it to the library. Well, what is the animal going to do at the library? Well, they're going to have story time. Okay, maybe they're going to listen to that. Or let's say we follow an animal to the park. What are they going to do there? Well, maybe they're going to play on the swings. Or we follow them to the mall. They're going to go buy shoes. We follow them to the fair. They're going to eat an ice cream. You know, and any of those things. We want to make sure, though, that wherever the animal goes, the actual activity that they do there, the what side, matches the location. Because the problem is, is that if you have a random animal and they go someplace and they do something that doesn't match the location, the story ends up kind of falling apart. So I found that with a lot of kids, the more kind of creative they get 
they start to expand out and they lose kind of the thread that's holding the story together. So we want to kind of um, rein that in just a little bit so that they can be playful, but the story still can be followed and understood by the reader. So this uh, chart is kind of interesting because the who category can be any animal and they can pick from any of those. But then when you get to the where and the what categories, um, those two need to be linked. So it could be helpful when you create this chart with kids. Maybe the who column, you know, is written in, let's say, red. And then the where and the what columns maybe are written in blue or something. So they can see that those two are linked. Um, they need to go together somehow. So it makes a little more sense. But I specifically tell kids that, that I don't want your story to just kind of disintegrate because they really do fall apart if kids are a little bit haphazard in how they put things together. So that's my suggestion for them. The writing task for them is just to write the middle part of that story. So think about, you know, oh, I followed my octopus. We have to understand how you get you know, to the library where you followed him. You know, what did you see when you got there? Um, and, you know, kind of describing that situation. Did you interact with them and talk with them? That kind of thing. And of course, I would do at least one modeled write with them to show them how I think through and use the chart and then how I come up with, you know, a pretty succinct brief write section. I'm not expecting multiple locations or multiple events in this case, um, but we can certainly work up to that. But because it's a brief write, we really are just trying to go kind of into one, one event um, and kind of the beginning to end of that little event. And that's enough in this situation. And it gives them a chance to, like I said, be creative um, and, and really do the best they can with, with that one little event. And later we can build up their stamina and their know-how and, and we can work on longer pieces together. So I hope you'll try a brief write with your students. The Night I Follow the Dog is a fantastic book. Every kid loves it and every age level loves it. I mean, I know sixth graders who get a kick out of the book. Kindergartners get a kick out of it. It's a very clever book and a lot of fun to read. Thank you so much for listening to Litcentric Radio week after week. I truly appreciate you listening, and I'm so excited to be sharing these books with you. It's so much fun. We'll see you next time. Have a great day at school.